welcome to the Empire. I just touched your leg like this. Thank you for touching my leg. Uh, welcome to the Empire Tonight podcast. Uh, we are at Studio Radio 45. I am Scott. I am here with my co-host, Emilio Savone. Hello, Scott. And we are very excited to be here on a scale from 1 to 10. Today, I'm feeling about a 7.4. Ooh, and good. we have uh, we have some very special guests here today. Amelia is going to introduce them. Uh, all right, our first guest. It's weird. We're sitting across from them. Usually, I like this Trans- yeah, This is Scott like it's like know our names. Yeah, <laughs> I have like, no <laughs> idea. I have no idea who you are. It's, it's like uh, yeah, it's like weird. Like we're across. Normally, we're like more intermingled. Um, but Jordan <clears throat> Rock and Rich Redding. Hey, so there. Go but, fuck uh, your, go okay, fuck I'm going to give more of an elaborate. We have here uh, Jordan Rock, who is recently. Um, on a totally uh, biased on FX with Camo Bell. What'd you do for them, Jordan? You were the uh, uh, I was the PA, but I also just helped out with it. Was I was PA, but like I was just a comedian, so I just wriggled in there. Everybody else was all serious, and I was just like, yeah, I just do this in the daytime. And Jordan, <laughs> you had uh, you actually had, and I reached out to you when I saw it, an awesome, awesome documentary. I thought it was super cool. Oh, um, you, maybe you can tell us. Oh, I'm gonna introduce uh, Rich real quick, but I want to get into that. Um, and we have Rich Redding. Rich, yeah. who is Richie uh, Redding. Richie, Richie. Richie. Do you go by Rich or Richie? What's better? Uh, I usually go by on stage. I go by Richie. Okay. Yeah. Well, Richie Redding, who is uh, currently on tour with Cat uh, Williams. Yes, sir. Which is a, a pretty big deal, and you are now hosting his shows, right? Are you the MC of it, of the shows? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm a token white guy and uh, the guy that sets it off. So. How did that but, happen, Rich? How did you uh, How did you get involved with such a? I mean, Cat Williams is a pretty big time comic. Yeah, it's uh, it's it started four years ago that I did a guest spot on this show in Philly. That it was the worst bomb I ever took in my life. Was at this place, the uh, the Robin Hood Dell East. It's in like six thousand person venue. It's outdoors, and the first time I did it, I was like nine months into comedy, and I got about. A minute in, I was supposed to... Well, first of all, I didn't have rent at the time. I didn't have my rent money. And this dude said he could get me his gig for 500 bucks. And before I went out, this promoter came over to me. It was no, it's, it's become known as the Free Beanie Concert. Mm-hmm. It was... I went in between Memphis Bleak and Joe Budden. Ooh. It was 110 degrees. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, it's just... The crowd turned savage on me. But before I went out, this dude was like... Yo, I don't know how you guys do it, but around here, if you don't do all your time, you get half your shit. So give me 10 fucking minutes. Uh, and I went out, and he, he, the guy introduced me as, like, it was like, straight out the Richard Allen Projects. And my dumb ass walks out in, like, fucking white button down and pink shorts. And I got a minute into it, and they just started savagely booing, just just all six thousand, just, just. Oh. But I needed the money, so I just stayed there and just fucking soaked up six thousand booze for the, for the extra nine minutes. And the guy begrudgingly came over to me and actually paid me, which I, I'm still amazed that he actually paid me. So fast forward, it's now. It was like you know, it was years after that. And uh, a buddy told me they were doing a concert there and they needed comics. So it was like my, mm-hmm. it was probably like Chris at the Apollo kind of thing. It was like, fucking, I'm going it was like back. like redemption almost. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and at that time, there was two other comics on it and they both ate shit before me. So I was able to ride their negative energy and uh, pulled that off. So and I did really well. And the, uh, the promoter of that concert gave me his card and was like, hey, hit me up. And every four or five months for the last four years, I've hit that guy up saying, hey, remember me? And then he called me in November and said, uh, hey, you want to open for Cat Williams this Saturday? Like, yeah. And Open uh, for him, though, not host. You're, open, you're gonna I, be- yeah, I, I featured that show. Okay. And uh, and that, that's my home court, and it went really well. It was like a 7,000-person crowd. And uh, I went over to him to thank him in the back. And dude's wearing a purple suit and a fur coat. And he's like, young man, absolutely stupendous. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. You actually, did you listen to my set? He's like, no, but I heard the crowd. It was absolutely stupendous. <laughs> uh, and I was like, well, I'd love to work with you again. He's like, I'll have you on the road and ask my word. And three months later, I got a call. And uh, he had me down in D.C. And then I basically just battled my way on to, like, they, they, I wasn't supposed to be on the tour. 
And uh, I basically kept getting hired for the next weekend and getting some dude fired because they had, <laughs> that's the shitty part of it. They oh. had the whole thing booked out and uh, and they kept firing somebody for the next one. And now I'm like officially on it. What's a crowd so, like? At, what's a crowd like at a Cat Williams concert? Is it ruckus over because he's an, he's a very over the top, yeah. really colorful comic. He's super like animated, right? What yeah. do you mean by colorful? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Can you Christ. expand on that? I did not mean any kind of racist tones with that. <laughs> Colorful, okay. huh? Is that the new word? Fun. He is. He's, uh, is, he is uh, animated. animated. He's right? animated. He's an yeah, animated. energy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they go to have fun. You know, it's like they, uh, they're, they're definitely not expecting me to come out from behind the curtain, especially as a host. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, it's been nothing but awesome crowds. How do you and, deal uh, with a 6,000 person crowd? I mean, what does that even look like on stage? Just how's lights? that change? Is it just lights? Or like, do you see people? Like, how do you no, even... Yeah. Um, it's not like you're doing crowd work for, you know, hey, where are you from? You right. Know? No, you just got to go out hard as shit from the, from the get-go. And... Uh, Your you jokes know. have to be just real punchy real quick. Just. Yeah. Well, I, I make it clear right up front because I, you know, I started out doing black crowds and uh, a thing that I learned is the 10 second rule. That I have exactly ten seconds to get them to like me. So, is, is that not is that not true with uh, with a white crowd? Is that no. mainly, really no? I mean, you you can. There, it's more forgiving. Well, especially if when you're the only white guy when they went to see an urban show, and I don't do urban comedy. I just happen to be this white guy that's there. But so I have to make it clear within ten seconds that I don't give a fuck, you know. And they 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 react to that and respect that. And like that, I'm just there to have fun, and I'm going to do my shit either way. But yeah, I mean, j- just the depth of the crowd. When we were in Chicago, like there, there was people probably 300 yards away, and like yeah, and like you know, like 60 feet up, that I would see a cell phone every once in a while. Like holy fuck! I always go to the back and actually see how far away it is. It's just it's incomprehensible that many people. Like the biggest one we've done is 8,000. And uh, Ontario is supposed to be twelve thousand people, and he nice. sells he sells out all these shows, for the most part. Yeah, there's been a couple that it, that weren't total sellouts, but it's also because he uh, possibly didn't show up the last time he was there. <laughs> <laughs> but now, have you have you ever have you gotten uh, any have you gotten better rac- reactions to your comedy than he has in any of these shows? I will not comment on that. <laughs> yeah. Stuff you don't say. Well, no, but also it's like when you're there's such a difference between doing ten minutes and then five minutes as as opposed to an hour. But no, I mean he gets standing O's everywhere he goes. He gets a standing intro O and he gets a standing O. Like he's you know, he's fucking he's strong. He's very strong comic. And are people looking at you differently now when they hear that you're touring with Cat Williams? Is that having a big uh, impact on your career? I mean, it's still kind of uh, new. You've only been doing the Cat Williams stuff for a couple months, but... Yeah, I mean, it kind of it raises the antenna a little bit. And, you know, if it's a if it's a promoter that hits me up on the tour, it, like, you know, obviously hit him with like a whack, like whack him with a number as opposed to what I would probably take if I was around here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But uh, no, everybody's been cool as shit about it. And it's just been, it's been a total blessing, man. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that we do in the podcast is we always try to get comics are, you know, on the rise, you know, kind of comics that are up and coming. So because Gaffigan won't do this. Because Gaffigan won't <laughs> yeah. do it. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But uh, pretty much. But um, but yeah, so I mean, it's great. You know, one of the things about having the two of you on together, and I talked about this earlier, was I, we, we actually met or I met Rich um, Richie through Jordan. Jordan had mentioned uh, you to me. And we've known Jordan, Scott, and I for years back, you know, when we were at the comic strip. Good old um, days. Good old days. And one of the things I really, really loved seeing, and I mentioned to when I introduced Jordan, was that documentary you did, which was a really great documentary. Oh, thank and you, if man. you can maybe talk about that for a little bit, tell, tell our listeners or listener um, about that documentary, <laughs> uh, and, documentary and what it was. Uh, the documentary was really fun. It was a fun experience. It's a, it was a short film, actually, that was made by this filmmaker by the name of Mike Dennis. He's the owner of Real Black, Real Black Productions. It's a just an indie film based out in uh, Philly. He actually did my brother, my brother Chris's first documentary when he was a film student in, in NYU, because Chris was his favorite comic at the time. And uh, he made that in 1989 called Who is Chris Rock? And 10 years, fast forward 20 years later to 2010, we're sitting at the Comedy Cellar and we're just talking about that documentary. We're talking about all the footage. We're looking at it and he's just like, you know, it'd be good if I just came and did one on you and introduced everybody to you. And What's yours called? It's Ladies and Gentlemen, Jordan Rock. Okay. Ladies and Gentlemen, Jordan Rock. It's on YouTube right now. We filmed it probably 2010. I was like, I was 19 in it. 
23 now. It was it was if you you haven't seen it, Richie. Mm-mm. It's 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 a really good it's a really good look into you know just Jordan's beginning of his career and talking about how you know you were in D.C. right and then uh, I was like, in South Carolina, but you went to high school. Alone. Did you go to Georgetown Prep or no? No, no, I didn't. I didn't go. To, I just went to high school. I just after okay. high school, I was like, I'm out of South Carolina. I came up here like I walked across stage and then went to the airport. That's right. <laughs> I feel like just leaving South Carolina and going somewhere else is better than going to college in South Carolina. It really is, <laughs> man. <laughs> it really is. You meet Not so much better people in New York. You're probably better off. Yeah, you're really gonna talk like it's just different life lessons that you learn in New York. Like I like I like it because you know you left. I wouldn't go to college, so like people are getting out of college now. They're having that life experience stuff. Like oh, what am I gonna do? It's nobody around. It's lonely. I did that immediately after high school where I had to actually find like the people that I need to be around. They're all probably making babies on purpose down there at this point. Oh yeah, man. I just hope they keep on getting girls pregnant so I can just (laughs) so I can just walk around like a cash prize. Well you you go (laughs) You go back to South Carolina often though, right? Aren't you gonna be there? I always Yeah, I'm going back to I'm actually going back tomorrow. I'm gonna be in Charleston on Saturday. I'm doing uh, Carolina Comedy Club in Myrtle Beach all next week. Now look, man. You mentioned Chris, right? And you know what? What? I mean, I got to ask the question. You know, and I, I I've prefer, known you. Why do you always have to bring up that stuff? I want to. He, he brings <laughs> up. I've known you for a while. I've never. Well, I don't ever ask you about your brother or brothers, but you know, he is Chris Rock's brother. My opinion. My opinion. He is a top three best comic of all time. I love Chris yeah. Rock. What is it? What is that like being a comic of that level's brother? And your other brother, Tony, uh, is is no you know no slouch himself. What kind of reception do people give you when they find that out? Because a lot of people don't know Actually, that about I, you. When I met Jordan, it was at the Vegas uh, Comedy Festival. It was the HBO really? Comedy Festival. Yeah. And I think you were like 15. I just started doing it, comedy. It was the one that Chris was headlining and Tony was hosting the show that I was doing. And then they introduced everybody. Like, he's backstage. And the reaction that every comic had was, fuck, there's another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually the... I remember that. That was I was in like 11th grade. I probably did like two young shows. shit, yeah. I'd done like three shows at that moment. And Chris was... Uh, like, that's actually my first year of comedy was sitting in the basement with Chris watching them put the together that was uh kill the messenger right mm, i believe probably. that was kill the messenger that was my first year of comedy was coming back and watching them like watch the shitty comic strip videos and seller videos and making plays and then going back out at night so i was around for a lot of that but uh having him as a brother it's just i don't know because i i'm very chill so i'm not competing with that i'm not competitive i can't really worry about that he's he's up there you know so i just gotta be myself it t- it, you have to write you have to you, you're like you got to toss the bar you got to start differently you can't just be at the bottom because if you just suck then do you think people treat you differently when they find out you're his brother it depends it depends on depends on who it is some people may think that i can do more than they can but if you hang out with me you'll actually understand that oh this is the same thing he's actually working just like me and i think you you have to, right? Yeah, I have and you, to. You, do you get interviewed a lot? Do you, guys, do you do a lot of podcasts and stuff? Oh, yeah, I do a few podcasts. I do all my friends' podcasts. Uh, well, you know, do you, I mean, how often do you get asked about being Chris Rock's brother? Uh, only when I do podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, well, no, people ask me, but it's something I've been getting asked my whole life, so... Is he one of your? Is Chris one of your favorite comics? Oh hell yeah, <laughs> easily. Like, but you know what? When people ask me that, it's kind of funny when if he's like, ah, he's alright. It's kind of hard for me to when we have like Top the comic 30. when we have the comic <laughs> discussion and everybody's saying their favorite. It's hard for me to just say that that's my favorite comic right. <laughs> because it, it kind of seems like an They're asshole like thing to but, say. But yet your style is so different. You know, and Tony's style is different too. I mean, you know, it's not it's not like any of you guys are trying to be like the other. And you're also, I mean, is Sherrod Small your cousin? Yeah, Sherrod is cousin. And he's different too. So it's kind of cool to see the differences. And you know, there's a big age gap between you guys. I thought you were actually Chris's uh, nephew <laughs> when when you first came on the scene. Well, I think you know, I don't want to talk too much about that because I hate that. And like, I want to know who Jordan Rock is, not Chris Rock's brother. I won't bring it up anymore. Uh, everybody thought. Uh, uh, I, I, I hate that stuff. What? How? How? Uh, yeah, way to put the kibosh on that, huh? Yeah, He's like, yo, yes. cut it out. I do that a lot with the Your topic. I'm trying to be nicer to you, but I knew you. It's you impossible know. for you to be nice. Um, well, it's not I, true. I do think that's I do. not true. I've been nice to you. Well, it's something. I would, just say, just to say something. I've known Jordan now. We've known him for like five years. I've never ever been like, hey, what's it? 
But yeah. I am curious. You know, it, it is. It is. It's a good question to ask. So like, ask. I'll do it on the air then. I'll do it on the air. Exactly. How, what's it? How has it been different since that you filmed that documentary and where you're at now? Have oh, you, just all the progression. It's a yearly progression, and people seeing that like you put that online and the initial views, you think that's how many views it has. That's how many people saw it. You think like we got a thousand views, and then you forget it's online. But you don't even know who's in that a thousand. So I've had people, I've had crazy people come up to me and be like, oh, I love that documentary. Like I met Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon was like, oh, I love your documentary. I meet every, every comic, every young comics. That that goes to like a lot of young comics. So a lot of people come to New York and, and I run into people at open mics and I go, hey, my name's Jordan. And they're like, Jordan Rock? And like people see, people see it. So it's definitely was good to get my name out there. And it's a very humble thing, you know. It's a very. It caught me at a very humble time. Like New York had just whooped my ass, and then they said, "Hey, here's a camera in your face." What, well, how's it been then? Like, are you a different comic now than then? Like, oh, I you... definitely am a different comic now than then because then I was more searching for a voice and how I wanted to come at jokes and what topics I wanted to do. Cursed a lot more in the documentary, mm. and now I'm I'm pretty much know that I want to how I want to attack topics. I know how to stretch out jokes. I know more of what I want to bring to the table, how I want to be perceptive. Also, when you're 19, you only have so much life experience. Exactly. You, you haven't paid, yeah, like have you, you've maybe paid your cell phone bill, but it's like, you're not paying rent. You're not worrying about shit. You know, you haven't, yes. <laughs> you haven't gone half season on an abortion yet. Like, yeah, you gotta, you got, then that's the thing. You gotta, it's, <laughs> You got to live like that's what they always tell me. You got to live it to write it. So I definitely see the progression every year and then topics that I want to stretch out. So do you well, find yourself go ahead. Sorry, do you find yourself uh in situations where it's like, "All right, I know this probably isn't the right thing to do, but there's a story here." <laughs> As in what? Like I just especially when I was drinking and, and, and doing drugs all the time, like as there there'd be so there's so much shit that it was like if I was some normal dude if if I had some normal job I wouldn't have gone through with it, but it was like, yeah, if I could go for the story. You know what? I I I'm pretty cautious about that. I actually don't go with the story. I don't go for the story too much. There's a lot of crazy things that have been you know was what I really didn't realize that I did when I was young, I would miss out on the story. Not when because, you were twenty three when you were young. Yeah, when okay. I was <laughs> when I was eighteen to like twenty. <laughs> It was so much back, back in your day. It was so much yeah. stuff hey that hey used day. to happen to me that I was just oblivious to, like just adult women that was just throwing vagina at me. <laughs> like I was putting girls in the friend zone and stuff like that. And I just never I was just so goofy and oblivious to so many things. I could have been a rock star at a young age. <laughs> if I would have just been the asshole that everybody thinks I am, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would be the dude. You'd have something to talk about right now. And Rich, when did you uh, when did you you got into comedy you said what, four or five years ago? Oh hell no! Um, I started like eleven years. Oh, ago. Oh, eleven years. Okay, but I mean, I, I I almost feel like there's an asterisk on my uh, the, the the amount of time that I've been in that it, like it really kind of starts when I got sober. Just uh, which is how long ago? Uh, six and some change. So probably like seven years ago is when I really oh. got serious about it. So you're into comedy for about four years, and then you got sober, and then yeah. But I mean, it was I was in and out uh, constantly. I would be you know, blacked out on stage. My, my, my credo used to be that my most memorable performances were the performances I couldn't remember. <laughs> I like, you know, it was no writing, just pretty much winging it, crowd work, and uh, kind of like just trying to start a war with the audience. It was, it was, it worked nine out of 10 times, but that 10th time it would be a disaster. How many times would you not, I mean, did you not remember a lot of shows you did back oh, then? Oh yeah. Or? Yeah. I mean, I, I got booked on shit like early in where, Dude would be like, "Yo, just do what you did that time I saw you." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's drink this gallon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, what did I snort? What did I fucking? Yeah, it was, it was, has it has it been better over the last six years? What what did, what are the differences you find as far as uh, doing I mean, comedy sober? It's it's night and day for me. I mean, you know, and I I get jealous sometimes when I see dudes that are you know baked on stage and they pull it off. But like for me, I you know I uh, I, I need to. I need to be present. I need to be thinking about what's next and shit like that. And uh, and I need to write. You know, that's that's the biggest thing for me is like if I'm not writing, I'm not I'm not progressing. And you know, for me, if partying is an option, is the priority. So everything else kind of goes out the window. But uh, yeah, I mean, the first time I did comedy sober, it was like holy shit, this is easy. 
you know. Wow, so you, you thought it was much easier then. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, you know, I mean, I used to go with, like, a Coke drip down my nose. So it's like, you know, you're in your head about that, and like, you're like, just, ugh. It's yeah. gross. And you, you went to, uh, you went to UPenn. Mm-hmm. Which is a very, very good school. What, what did you, when did you decide you want to become a comedian? When you were in college, you start doing some stand-up shows then, or? Yeah, I mean, I kind of always knew that, like, when I was probably 10, I, uh, I was at the mall with my mom and I I was I had to meet up with her like you know I went to a store and I had to meet up with her and I I stumbled out into like six dudes in suits and they kind of got ran over by it and the guy in the middle picked me up and was like hey buddy what are you doing I was like getting kidnapped put me down <laughs> and, and they all laughed and he puts me down I go over to my mom she's like do you know who that was I was like, no. She was like, Jay Leno. I was like, who's uh, that? And and from then on, they like let me watch the Tonight Show. So um, I always had it, it. Was always kind of the idea was there. And like when I was a kid, I would, when I was sick, I would watch Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and Carlin. You know, like if he, when he when you can get whatever video you want. So I was like twelve watching Carlin and you know, listening to Dice and shit. Oh, Dice was the uh, best. The Leno, the Leno was the really the beginning. That was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was God like just telling you this is the path you must take. Yeah, I, I, my mom always had some kind of uh, celestial notion that I was going to be a comic. So somehow she took it a lot better than dad after, you know, $200,000 education that mm. I'm going to tell dick jokes for a living. Well, I think that's a big thing. You know, I mean, we've talked about it before, too, is having support, mm-hmm. you know, of, of people, family, you know, supporting what you're doing. So um, did so you felt like right out, front, right out of the gate, your mom was totally supportive of that. Yeah, but like at the same time, I don't want her at shows. Dad can come to shows. My mom wants to come to this show in Baltimore, and oh my god, she's a church lady. Like she, you know, she. My dad was her paper boy. They met when they were nine. They, like she's just, you know, she's at church three days a week because they're not open seven. Uh, like, and, and she wants to go to show. The last time she went to a show, I was like, all right, well, I, I just don't want to see you guys. And the way that she got seated was that they were like third row. So this fucking, I love her to pieces, but she's got a menu and she's like trying to hide below <laughs> the menu and like just drawing as much attention as humanly possible by this fucking menu shield. <laughs> and like, and, and it was weird that I didn't address it. Like, hey, this goofy broad over here is my mom trying to hide from my sight line. So and she wants to go to the cat show and there's no fucking way. That, like, I mean, I, I would Has she ever seen cat that- before? No, She's like, no, I'll, I'll be okay with it. It'll be fine. Don't it would worry. be, a, it would be a pretty, it would be a, a complete. I mean, surreal for her though to see Give her eight thousand people first. though. She probably would. I, she probably would even be looking. She'd probably be looking around though the stands. I know if I did something like that, my mom would probably not even be paying attention to what I was doing. She'd yeah. just be looking around, being like, "Holy shit, look at all these people here." Yeah, well, like her, her new hobby is. Uh, finding Ticketmaster reviews that mention me and sending them to me. <laughs> so what? 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 What was your major at Penn? Uh, political science. So if not for comedy, what would you think you'd be doing? I'd be a rowing coach. A rowing coach. Yeah. God, you're such an enigma, dude. You're a, a rower rowing. too. Rowing. Yeah. You rowed at Penn. Uh, I was a coxswain. I was a little guy that steers yeah. the boats. Yelling at everybody. What do you do? What does the coxswain do? Yells at people. Um, tells them to row coxswain. faster. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually uh, it's it's really a, a technical position. It's uh, at a certain point you go when you start off, it's nothing but being a cheerleader, and then you actually kind of learn how to coach. And uh, are you like I, standing I, at that belt? Nah, you're like sitting. No, nah, you're sitting like this. And I actually, I kind, I sized out of it. I was gonna that, say uh, you're not that. You're in the back. Are you in the front? Most coxswains are really short. You're well, not short. You're in the back. You're in the stern of the boat. Coxswain. Um, yeah. Rowing is like for rich people schools, right? <laughs> <laughs> like you penned an Ivy League school. Yeah, not the, I mean, it, it is right. Yeah, yeah like it, it, yeah. no, it's it's proliferated down to a state school level, but. uh yeah, I mean, it, like when I was in college, through high school and college, I thought I was going to the Olympics, and that was like my main focus. I was a much more intense dude than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, marijuana helped to chill me out a whole bunch, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of turned into this. It, it, it was my my main focus, like, and it, it actually probably kept me in school because I had a reason not to party constantly. But uh, yeah, I was 103 pounds when I graduated. From 103 high school pounds and Ooh. 115 when I graduated from college. Wow! But yeah, I mean, I saw the world rowing. Like I was, uh, I was in two world championships when I was in high school, and like representing the U.S. And then 
uh, went overseas for international races three times. It's amazing, uh, Richie. Yeah, I mean, I it, I was it was probably one of the I was probably the top cox in my year, um, like in the country. And then I broke my leg my senior year. Bro, you do was, so much, dude. I mean, <laughs> dude, this, dude, you you must you got to bring this up at the cat show. They'll love this. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, black people love rowing stories. <laughs> <laughs> like damn, uh, man. Yeah, well, it actually it all kind of it, it ties into uh, for to me eventually going so getting sober was that I. Uh, we want to know how you started getting high, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, how did you do all of this wonderful stuff? You dude, when you, you go to Ivy League school, world. they give you your books, right? And your cocaine, yeah. right? Yeah, and they no. give you your coke, and they no. go, here you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, you got to study all night, I always Jordan. had this weird dichotomy of, like, who I hung out with that it was, like, I was in the pr- the evil preppy frat, and, like, those guys. You got, a frat, too. Yeah, and, those, it, and it was, like, the, the triple pop collar coke <laughs> frat. But then my my friends were either athletic, you know, they were like international athletes, or the black dude that was the janitor that I hung out with and smoked two joints every day with, like in a fucking closet, so, you know. And it's like I'm juggling all these people, but uh, so yeah, I mean, I, it really started when I, I had this job after college. It was like this coke dealer just came through every day. And you just left money on your desk. He came and got it and then replaced it with blow. And it was like the whole office was just geeked out of their minds. Jesus. And, yeah, it was like it was a financial job that that was like the thing. And I hated that job. And uh, I just started writing coked up at work. And uh, I put together like an 80-page manuscript of, of comedy stuff. And from that, I started my first year was basically doing open mics and trying to get through that. Like all this shit that I wrote while I was on the on the company dime before I got fired. You, do you use any of that still? No, oh. no. I, it's still funny, but it's like, yeah. You know, part of stand up is like you just have to get rid of the words. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a, a normal conversation. You're not reading something. The first time I went up, it was an all black room, and I had like I was trying to verbatim hit this perfect fucking manuscript. It was just right. like, mm mm. <laughs> yeah, and they definitely wasn't fucking with that. Oh, it you got probably swatted. went way past the 10 second rule. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, so, about four minutes deep was the first punch. So how, how much then would you guys say is kind of the culture of drugs in comedy? Is it is it really, is it is it running rampant? Is it not? Do you think, uh, yeah, I mean, how much of a big thing is it? Uh, how much of a big thing is it? It's big in everything. So I'm not going crazy on drugs but you'll be surprised the people that are and it's such an easy thing to hide because it's it's a social setting so everybody's up everybody's happy everybody's drinking so it's really hard easy to hide a problem in comedy and comedy is really easy to amplify your problem too i feel like pot is really prevalent like you can probably pick out who the cokeheads are i can yeah, you know, I mean, like I see a drug deal handshake all the time, but well, like I can just spot that shit from miles away. But uh, yeah, and that was actually a thing that I was really concerned about was like, you know, just in the fear of getting sober and performing and stuff like that. It's like, well, will people still like me? Like, am I going to be able? Because I always thought I had to party my way to the top, mm-hmm. and it was like the fact was that I partied my way into being blackballed from the one club I was actually allowed to perform at. You know, mm-hmm. so I was like. My approach of trying to be to rock star it to the top didn't work. It does work for some guys, you know, like I won't name names, but there's you know there's guys that definitely partied their way into being friends with headliners and they they got on the road with them and now they have Comedy Central specials. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, I I, I feel like the uh, I feel like the funny come always comes first. So you know, I don't need guys to. I, I let's put it this way i've never had somebody be like yo that guy killed but he doesn't smoke weed and do coke anymore sure, so sure. i'm probably not gonna hang out with him it's like well hang out if you can but you know we're getting fucked up so as long as you're comfortable you know i would imagine there's a respect level too when people find out that you've been through a lot of stuff and you're sober i'm sure there's a lot there's, of sober it's there's a only type, two yeah. types of comics there's comics that drink <laughs> and those that used to drink <laughs> that's really yeah, it hopefully you got a story out of it yeah you know? and jordan what about you man did you like in your own mind did you, was there it was only comedy or was there did you have other paths that you would have wanted to pursue and tried uh, or you know what happened i I've, I've always i always wanted to do stuff 
I always wanted to entertain. I always wrote comedy. When I got into like eleventh grade, we had a I had a college. You know how they give you college speeches when you're in like eleventh, twelfth grade that pump you up. Mm-hmm. And they said something in the speech. The lady was like, "You know, I wish I didn't play so much when I was in, when I was earlier in <laughs> high school, because then I could actually go to a school I wanted." And once I realized that I couldn't go to a school that I wanted to go, most likely, I was like, oh, I got to do something. Hmm. <laughs> so from there, I started writing. And then that turned into a job when I was at home because I started putting together shows and I started making money. Like, so when my friends were making, you know, 250 every other week, I started, I was just doing comedy. So that was really like, I think I'm going to take this on the road. I was working radio. I was doing radio that when I was in high school. When it's not like in the Rock family, telling jokes for a living is such a half-baked idea. <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah that's really like, it. Chris that, kind of knocked out that barrier down for, yeah. for Mama Rock being like, are you fucking crazy? Yeah, that's <laughs> really it. That was really like... And when I first started, I had the idea. Everybody was like, "Well, you just you just want to do this just because." But once they really saw like the dedication of putting together shows, and, and that, that's kind of what out. the documentary they talked about. I remember they were saying how much you were writing and really putting a lot into it. Um, yeah. And I remember that was kind of a focal point on it too. Yeah. Once they realized that I wasn't just like a mini Chris or Tony, they were way more supportive. <laughs> and then I came up here, and I've, I usually look at I look at it like how you just said you gotta have life experience to be a comic. I'm finding myself through comedy. Hmm. That's how I look at it. So it's growing. It's gonna grow with me, and I'm gonna find out who I am through these experiences. And I went home recently, and I had, I was just looking at like all the stuff of like Chrissy had on the wall and Tony had. And I was like, you know, I could have Did been... you say Chrissy? Yeah. You guys call him Chrissy? <laughs> yeah, we call him Chrissy. That's hilarious. <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was Chris he had on the wall. Everybody calls him Chrissy in the family. That's his family name. That's funny. Yeah, so I was looking at everything Chrissy and Tony had on the wall. And then I just thought, you know, I could have, you know, God could have sent me to any other family. <laughs> so the fact that I'm in this family and that I do comedy, it's like, it has to be... This has this has to be what I do, you know. Like the Johnson and Johnson, they have they have soap. <laughs> so you feel that way, then you feel yeah. like because you're a rock, you kind of that's your that's part of the lineage, right? It's part yeah. of your journey. I've had the times where I'm like, maybe is this what I wanted to do? But I've in recent years, I've had the oh no, this is it's got to light it. a fire under you to want to get some shit done because you don't want to be the Frank Stallone. Of oh the no, rock <laughs> not at all, not at all, not at all. Do you do? I, I, I want to ask this, and Scott, you're probably yelling at me, but I have to ask this: Do you feel like Jordan that sometimes you maybe don't get opportunities because you're a rock? Because um, people might be like, "Oh, I don't want to approach Jordan with this, even though I want him to do this, because I don't want to seem obvious and I'm asking him because he's a rock." You know uh, what I mean? That happens anyway. I feel like people. I feel like some people times. You may miss out on an opportunity because people already think you have and that you don't want or that you don't need. So I feel like, you know, there's certain people how like somebody will come and be like, hey, I like you. Let's let's I'm a mentor you and take you on the road. Nobody's going to be my big brother in comedy because I have two big brothers in comedy. Like some people don't reach out because they think I already have. They think it's already going to be taken care of. They think, you know. They they just assume they don't they don't know what's actually going on. So I definitely see it happening. Like sometimes people think I'm not working as hard because they think that the spots are handed to me. People think I have representation just because I'm me. People think Do you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have slight slight representation. <laughs> I have I'm freelancing. <laughs> you know I'm 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 in the you know call me. <laughs> <laughs> People um, always, people always say uh, that comics, you know, comics are crazy. Comics have these crazy personalities. Do you guys think that's true? You know, because I, yeah, we're around comics every day, and I don't think they're that crazy. Oh, some they're? people are out of their fucking mind. I mean, yeah, but no, no, like it's the same shit if you're working in an office in a cubicle, or if you're like, you know, you know what, I, a musician. This dude's crazy. Like, people, dude, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like Emilio is <laughs> yeah. completely insane. I'm fucking nuts. I'm not a comic. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, it, I, I, I feel like well, I, I think there's, there's pigeon. I, of, everybody always thinks like, oh, it's comedians. Well, I think old. There's there's two. There's older comics and then there's younger comics, and I think there's a distinction between the two because these older comics they are a little more jaded if you will maybe they're a little guy more of a chip on their shoulder where the younger comic is full of hope and they're excited and they're they're i don't going know I, I don't agree with that 
That's what I feel, but I'll let these guys answer. But that's if, that's how I feel that way, you know. Because being if you where, met me six years ago, I would have been an entirely different person. Like but you're still a young guy. Well, just, yeah, I mean, I'm 35, yeah. but you know, like the uh, there, there's something inherently is insane about thinking it can work, having the hope and the self confidence to say, you know what? Yeah, I went to an Ivy League school, but fuck it, I'm going to tell jokes. And this is this is how it's going to go, you know. And I mean, you know, you're you're definitely going to butt your head a, a bunch of times against self self doubt and shit like that. But you know, to to let go of the results and just be like, fuck it, I'm showing up and showing up and showing up and expecting different results. There's something inherently insane about that. But isn't isn't that just kind of the plight of an artist in general? I mean, it's not really specific to being a comic. I mean, if you're if you're an opera singer, or if you're a jazz saxophonist, or if you're uh, a painter, like you know, you're kind of putting yourself out there mm-hmm. on a regular basis. You know what I mean? What's what's kind of unique? Well, I'd- what's the kind of uniquely crazy about being a comedian? Uh, uniquely crazy about being a comedian is that you gotta. This is like a. Have self you been to game. open mics? Yeah, this is. Awesome. Uh, I, you want to get an open mics? I'll get an open mic. Well, this mean, thing keeps cutting out. I, I, uh, yes, I have. Scott loves open mics. Open mics. Do, you, do you think you see crazier people at people at uh, comedy open mics or music open mics? Uh, I think comedy. Are there oh, music? Yeah. Open I don't know. Mics? If crazy yeah. is the word. I think more um, entitled. There's and a guy, annoying. There's a guy in Philly that has literally been doing a Bill Cosby impression for three minutes every Wednesday for 20 years. I, I the open mics, I mean... <laughs> and, and is still convinced this is going to be the time that he's going to knock it the... F- you! I mean, you kind of get that... <laughs> I mean, for 20 fucking you years... Kinda, you kind of get that, like... I mean, even Richie, if you like... Remember you me watch, his number. We're booking him. You watch, like, American Idol and shit. You know, you get those crazy people who think they're good singers and, like, they... they right, but they're not... You know. Dedicated, like those. That that's an asshole that showed up in a parking lot and got pulled out by a producer because they're like, "Oh, this will be fucked up." You know, if we put this guy on open it, mic, you you do make a very good point. Open lifer. mic comedy is like lifer. I hate open mics, and the thing is this: I respect mic open lifers, mics because that's, they really are. You have lifer. to have open mics, right? And it's a great way. I mean, it's a great way for comics Yo. to be able to work out material, <laughs> <laughs> but they're painful. They're just painful. Sometimes I'm watching open mics like, you should have kept that one in, buddy. You should have just told us about your Or just open micers who expect laughs or open micers who like think they're doing a real show, Mm -hmm. you know, and have been doing open mics for like a year. And, and they're the like, yo, that, I'm I'm at this club tomorrow night. I, I, love, <laughs> I, I love the guy with the open mic that has a manager. You ever, uh, you ever, you ever meet that guy? Yeah, I handle uh, all of his bookings. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but, do you guys yeah, still? Do you guys? Well, do you guys still do open mics? I mean, open I mics serve a very good purpose, right? Sure, if you need yeah. to work on something, uh, I do my I, I do my friends. If my friends run open mics, and I'm just sitting at home at like five o'clock, and I need something to do. And I've just thought of like maybe five minutes of some shit. I'll go. I'll definitely. I go. I go by pop by uh, New York comedy clubs, open mic, and do regis open mic sometimes. Mm-hmm. I do bar gigs, not so much mics. Okay. Yeah, that's the same thing. That's I do bar uh, yeah. gigs. I mean, if you're nice doing them for the shows. right, yeah. you're doing them for the right reason. I. I mean, I don't disrespect open mics, but New York I, mics. But like, like people that oh, are doing it, God. thinking it's a regular show, not understanding no. that what the purpose of a mic is. Yeah, but New York mics mic are all comics. When I started out, the. Uh, the the open mic at the Laugh House was standing room only, and the the lineup of the guys, Laugh House is where it's Philly. It's, Philly? Yeah, it used to be R.I.P. It uh it closed. The I think the third time I ever went up to do comedy, the the lineup was Mike Vecchione, Joe DeRosa, Kurt Metzger, um, Big J, Toure Gordon, and Spank, who opens up for Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart fucking seven guys in a row and it was just an hour of devastation that, that like, was an open mic yeah with 250 people in the room yeah. well you open know, mics at, outside at like, the city are yeah. completely different and then the first time I came to an open mic up here it was like ah you know, it's just <laughs> a bunch of dudes like all sitting there with their notebooks out and oh, not even God. looking up and they're all talking about how small their apartment is yeah, yeah. it's just ugh, fucking miserable same thing over and over again and what about um, something I was thinking about was you you had mentioned a little bit before as clean comedy or cursing and you know you were like I curse a lot less now what is the you know what is is cursing inherently kind of an easy way 
to you know like what is that what why why bring that up you know the fact that you curse less now than you did before is that a good um, thing what does that mean just because everybody that's just something they used to tell me all the time when I, I was young i was i was 18 and i was just up there just cursing my life away and you know you don't need curse words to be funny you need it you can curse all you want but that doesn't need to be the joke. You need to be able to take the curse words out and still tell the joke. Mm-hmm. If you want to go up there and just be in curse just because you feel well, like, it's like it, go it's ahead. It's like what Louis C.K. says. is like, oh, if you think cursing, all you have to do is curse, then go up for 45 minutes and say fuck you yeah, 3,000 times and see how far it gets you. Hmm. Yeah. You know, if it's, it can add emphasis to it. But I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down, like, I'm going to write clean today. I'm going to do this and that. And then, just like, don't work out. and then another story about fingering some chick comes out, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you like, like, Eddie Murphy is a perfect example. Like, I like Eddie Murphy, especially like Delirious. Uh, and yeah. I mean, he's dirty as fuck. I remember I was like nine years old and my parents were watching it. And I was like, with my, my, ear to the door being like what the fuck are these words like what's happening right now (laughs) you know what i mean but there's something inherent i mean that is like funny that's funny funny you know so and he's dirty as fuck but i guess you know even if you took out the swearing the material itself is still cat stuff yeah i mean like just his use of mother yeah he'll use motherfucker three times in a sentence but and every time it means something different just for the emphasis that he puts on it yeah but like yeah, I mean, and it's def- there's definitely more of a challenge to be a, a dirty comic and and get on. You know, I mean, there's there's people on The Tonight Show that it pains comics to see get on. Nobody really laughs at it, but it was clean, and they had, you know, they had perspective. They <laughs> talked about their family, well, and it's well, different. What about that, Richie? You bring up The Tonight Show. I mean, I feel like a lot of comics are trying to chase now being on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. You know, that's like the big thing, beyond Fallon. In fact, I mean, I haven't heard you you guys, I mean, I mean I've been just, that's all I hear about. I haven't really heard you guys even really talk about that. Like before in the beginning, no one was, you guys weren't like, oh, are you doing a Fallon set? Is this something you guys are aggressively like trying to do too? Or are you focusing on some other stuff right now? Like is how important is it to be on Fallon? How important is it to be on Last Comic Standing? How important it is to get into Montreal? You yeah, know all well, these things. These, these are the things that everyone's talking about. Is uh, is it kind of precludes me from all that shit? You know. Okay. Um. You know, you need an agent to send you to get you in the door with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really trying to focus on making my own opportunities right now, and uh, you know, like I created a show that I'm I'm, I'm finishing editing that. And, you know, I'm trying to, uh, I'm really looking forward to pitching that. And uh, I don't know. I, there, there's no right way to do this thing, you know? And, like, if I could do it without having to, like, scour my set for clean words and stuff. Look, I'm just not that clean of a guy. Like, you know, my, I look, I think what makes me funny is that I look super innocent and then I go talk about inappropriate shit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so... You know, like if that stuff comes along, when those opportunities come along, of course you you try to do it. But like, if if I can make something happen on my own, then it'll be so much cooler for me. And yeah. the, and the show, uh, the show you're talking about is uh, what's the name of that show again? Uh, Horseshit. Horseshit. Yeah, even though you can't, you can't even say the name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's ridiculous. It's an interactive trivia drinking game that you don't uh, just watch it; you play it. Nice and. Uh, so like people at home, so it's the, the the contestants. They get it right, they get money, they get it wrong, they have to drink. But then people at home watch it and they play every question. And when they get it wrong, they drink. And uh, the 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 few episodes that I have done already, I've sent it to friends, and it's like you wind up drinking, you know, beer and a half, two beers, watching one ten minute game. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's it's the likes of which has never been seen, and uh, I think it can thrive on Netflix or something like that, or even as a Vegas show. Okay, and you're and that's something you're possibly trying to do, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to overtalk that, but sure. yeah. Okay, good stuff. And Jordan, what about you with the whole Fallon stuff, Montreal, everything? You know, uh, it's important to be a comic to me. Like, I just want to be a comedian. I want to be as funny as I can, and I just want to work. So it doesn't matter where that comes out. There's so much more people living off of comedy and making, being happy, just telling jokes to people than people that you know. 
and everybody i don't know what happened to everybody in the city that just made everybody turn into like when they were looking for their late night spots in montreal hungary because i remember oh nine hanging out with people and we were just trying to get spots and now people are like who's your agent who's your manager like do you did you get how many spots did you get this week I'm, i'm working for this and i'm just like Come on, you guys. Let's just get back to what we were doing. Like that's actually being that's, funny. A, that's a really good point, that's man. Point. And like when like it seems like comedy clubs now are just a platform to work on material for something else, rather than wanting to just get booked at these clubs or just perform at certain clubs. You know what I mean? Like, like clubs are, are kind of like a place where you go work out material for your Fallon. You audition. can't even work out anymore. Or, you know what I mean? Like, like. What was that 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 uh, Seinfeld quote about the strip? Not to bring up the strip, but like oh uh, yeah yeah he said uh, you know he said uh, like uh, his dream uh, as a kid was just to get yeah. the Saturday night spot at the comic strip. Like that's what he wanted to do. You know he just wanted to have a weekend spot at a really good club. Well, the way you know? that these cocksuckers pay you is enough to yeah like <laughs> you could do you could do twenty spots a week and make five hundred dollars. That's a very good point. Five hundred fucking dollars, mm. you know, and then but or you can do like, you know, you can do one show where you actually get booked on because people know who you are and you make five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. So at from least, a living perspective, much, yeah, it's hard to kind of survive with just doing the clubs. Yeah, oh, which yeah. is which is weird, you know. And I I really had to make a uh, a change when I came up here because you know I, I I'm pretty I was pretty ingrained in the urban scene and. uh you know the the least you ever work for on the urban scene is a hundred bucks, and then when I came up here, and it's you know it's either bar shows or sitting around and hoping to get these twenty dollars spots. Hmm. It's like what the fuck, you know? what I found out how much they actually made, and I, I had to, I had to say, all right, I'm, I'm done being in the boroughs, you know, and so I, I really drew a line, and for two years I didn't do the uh, any of the any of the urban spots around the city. And by doing that, it actually made them pay me more, which is crazy. And like, I, I had the conversation last year that it was like, if I'm going to do urban shows, I want to be at the top of it. And and like almost a year to the day later, I got the call about the cat thing. And it was like, hmm, well, maybe, you know, like if, if I'm doing black shows, 6,000 at a time, that's the way to do it. But, you know, but just to kind of follow up what Jordan was saying, I mean, the thing is, though, he's right. You hear so many comments about their managers and agents and this and that. Yeah. And I'm hearing comics talk about being on Fallon or The Late Show. And I'm like, this, you know, he's been doing comedy or she's been doing comedy for two years. Like, yeah. like I, I think the point, or at least for me, it's like, there was a point in time when, at least I remember years ago when we were at the strip, you know, comics were pumped to be doing. I mean, they, it was it was more about the craft, I felt like, versus trying to get on Letterman or Fallon. What you're talking about, Rich, I, Richie, I think is totally different. We're yeah. talking about the opportunity to get seriously paid. You see how I just made it about me, though? But you're right. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. What we're talking about, but that's is it about totally the money. Yeah. Like, people, do they want to be on uh, The Tonight Show? For the financial gain, or do yes. they want it yes, for the notoriety? I think it's more than just money. I don't, I don't think I it's. I think what I'm hearing, it's an ego thing. It's it about is. saying I got to be on this. Richie's coming at it for both. more of like a a monetary thing, saying you know I, I'm sick and tired of sticking around waiting to get paid dick when I can make the same amount of money doing one show. And I get that. And that's 100 no, that correct. What, and you're right. No, you are it's, right. It's about because you know clubs like road clubs are only booking people that have Tonight Show or whatever credits you know tonight show or letterman credits maybe a half hour or something like that but and that's why it's so that you can get to be to to this headline point okay but how <laughs> important like can't you just like lie in your resume as a comic? <laughs> this is the thing. Like, you know, can you be like up from the Tonight Show and from Comedy Central? <laughs> yeah. Like, and from you can do you, it organic, man. I feel like now we have the internet on our hand, so you can take your destiny into your own hands and create your whole your whole thing. There used to just be one outlet. I feel like now you can do it more genuinely. Just digitally make uh, Jimmy Fallon introduce you. Nah, well, some <laughs> certain people that are just kill it. Like, what's his name? Uh, Rob. He's he's. What's his name from Twitter? That well, Giannis, did? man. Giannis, like even Giannis Papas. Giannis created his whole thing. First and sells foremost, out everywhere. Giannis. Yeah, sells out everywhere. Just I feel like the internet now. You can take your hands into. You can take your future into your hands. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, it's definitely become, I mean, you don't really need, I mean, you say you need an agent. Do you really need an agent? I mean, I know comics who have no representation who are booking themselves on the road constantly, you know? Oh, Miguel, yeah, you Miguel Demau, it's a perfect, I mean, he has no representation. He's always on the road doing gigs. I mean, God bless him for being able to do that and hustle. You are your own enterprise. You know, you guys are entrepreneurs doing it. And uh, Richie, I mean, you proved it right there, man. How did you get into this urban scene, by the way? Because I remember we talked last week. I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, how... Yeah, uh, it's a, accidentally, accidentally, because you are in a lot of urban. Sh- uh, before I knew you, I, I remember Dude, your name I, from doing all these urban. Sh- you do like I, the Rip and Burt Smooth shows, right? Yeah, you do a uh, lot of urban stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have so many pictures of me online that it looks like I'm about to be attacked, <laughs> it's and it's just, I'm just like, now it's just me and a dozen black dudes. <laughs> uh, you know, when I started out in Philly, it was uh, it, it was really as simple as. The, the there was two open mics there on the same night on on Wednesday nights and one of them was in the northeast and northeast Philly and I didn't have a car and you had to get out there and it it was the equivalent to a, a New York open mic there were six people or you can go to this one on South Street and there's 250 people like which one are you going to go to yeah you know? and uh you know I just I just figured it out like and i don't know i mean but the 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 thing that i love about my set now and uh, is that and what i think what kind of makes me stand out in urban rooms is that i don't just do black i don't do black comedy you know like i address the situation but i can take the same exact set into like you know i'll be in north philly one one night and the same night i'll be in princeton and do the same material so you know, it's it, it's it's really just a matter of like it's just another opportunity for me to to do it. Hmm. But it's good to I think it's good to do both to please both yeah. worlds. That's a real good skill because a lot of people aren't aren't doing both. A lot of people don't have to do both. And sometimes there's a there's a lie that people tell people that it's like urban comedy is different from mainstream comedy or when you do if you work mainstream rooms you can't do you can't go into Brooklyn and do the same material. Yeah. But if like comedy is comedy, so if what you're doing can't go everywhere, then you aren't doing anything. Yeah, I mean what I learned from from those rooms is to not give a fuck. Yeah. You know, like if I care if I really care, and that's that's what I hate about auditions and important showcases and stuff sure. like that, it's like this could make a difference, you yeah. know. And, and when you come at it, is like when you try to have this life changing set, it'll suck every time. Like I, I would love to shoot a special in a shithole that doesn't know there's cameras there, like two hundred people in a place that holds a hundred, fucking <laughs> yeah, fire hazard. The mic's a little bit fucked. The up. community the board might get on you for that stuff. FYI, whatever. <laughs> but but no, I mean that's always when it's at, that's when comedy is at its absolute best is when you're doing it for the sake of entertaining those people, and that that kind of gets back to what you were saying of like, are you doing this because you want to be famous, or do you want are you doing it because you like making people laugh? You know, like if it's just about making people laugh, then I then you relax and you have fun and it you know and it's awesome. And what we're we're what 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 is the ultimate? Um, we like to ask this question too. What's the ultimate end game for you guys? You know, like Jordan, like do you want to be? I mean, is it about doing stand up and selling out arenas like a Cat Williams or like your brother does, or is See, it or is it for, having your own show? Is for it me? All I want to do is be Chris Rock's brother. <laughs> Somehow. For me, all I, yeah, all for me, all I want to do is if I could just be an organic comedian, somebody whose name rings bells just as a comedian. I want to, I want to do that. I will do what it takes for me to go back on the road and have people there. So if that's if I have to do Fallon, if I have to do all of that stuff, if it comes in my lap and that's what it takes, I will go for it. I will do the work that it takes for me to just be a comedian. I want to. To make people laugh until I die. What is the biggest difference between your comedy now versus a couple years ago? Not other than just cursing less. I mean, what would you say is the what what has made you what what separates you from now from Jordan Rock when you were eighteen? Uh, I have a stronger per- point of view. I have a stronger point of view. I've dealt with more people. I know now. I'm thinking. I don't know. It's really just I'm thinking different. I'm moving different. I've experienced more. I know how to tag things. I've I've just lived, I guess. That's really it. You're finding your voice, too, it sounds like, too. Richie, where do you see yourself, buddy? What's the end game for you? Do you want to keep doing, uh, you yeah, want to be mean, the next Cat Williams? Or you want to be the next what? Next uh, Richie Redding is what you want to be. But Yeah, I mean, 
you know, I, I feel like there's there's so many comics that have the same point of view that it's like, I don't want to be famous. I just want to be known, you know, and called, you know, I want to find my audience, basically. Um, and, you know, and have people be able to find me. Um, you know, I mean, the, 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 the end game is to be able to headline and have people show up because they want to see me. You know, that that's that's really what it is. Like, am I ever going to be the guy that sells out you know, 10,000 person stadiums? Probably not. But well, why not? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you just don't want to sound like an asshole for saying <laughs> I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's just such an absurd thing that so few guys do. But uh, you know, yeah, I would love to be on that level. But like, I need some kind of major break for that to happen. Um, you know, I I want to just keep creating stuff and uh, just keep putting stuff out there and have fun with it. You know, like I, I got into comedy because I wanted to get paid having fun for, for having fun. And if I ever have stop having fun with it, you're probably going to see me out on a rowing boat somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> can we get a story? Well, can you give us a, a, a story Jordan's alluding to or any kind of story? You gotta, you gotta find it, man. You gotta find like... it. All right. Forget it. You don't have to give it to us. Um, uh, he's thinking about it. Well, what had happened was, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I started with, to, to talk about this earlier when I said that rowing was a part of why I, uh, I don't drink anymore. Uh, I used to, I used to kind of seek out insanity and my, uh, my idea of creativity and, uh, of, of comedy really used to be that if I could get enough plates spinning at the same time and it, it create perfect chaos, then out of that, I would have this like this epiphany of like this you know this perfect creative moment that I, that I could find. And uh, the thing is with insanity, if that if you if you seek it long enough, then you're gonna find it probably. And I uh, had a party. It was it was seven years ago this Fourth of July that. My best friend. Do you know this story, Jordan? I, I'm just looking at how you guys. <laughs> so, so my so my best friend was a drug dealer. Um, that, so that's that's a whole part of this thing of me starting off doing comedy in the wrong way was that I literally the day I met this dude, he was becoming a. It was his first day as a drug dealer. <laughs> it was my first day as a comic. Like he just bought like a quarter pound. I just got fired. And so. You know, we made fast friends, and he got way better at being a drug dealer than I did at being a comic over the, the ensuing four years. But uh, I I had a party at my parents' house, and like unbeknownst to my parents, like every dude there was some kind of drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, you know? uh, they live on a river in South Jersey, and uh, we'd been drinking, smoking weed, hash, opium all day. And took some painkillers, and to get out of that, uh, did some coke, and then took some amphetamines, and took like five or six of ecstasy, and ate half a bag of mushrooms. Jesus. And Ooh. it's now four in the morning. I am completely tripping my face off, and I'm on a kayak playing with half sticks of dynamite. And I was, I'd been, I have all these guys behind me and we're, we're out on the water. It's, it's getting weird. I'm fucking explaining to them my rowing theory, by the way, I have a rowing theory. And, <laughs> and, uh, I throw this one half stick and boom, I went fucking crazy that I, I basically, the closest thing that I can say is that I got stuck in the matrix and I had this epiphany that, uh, of how the laws of motion affect all athletics and I was, I was, I was in, I was in a 3D, I, I was surrounded by a 3D hallucination. And every time I blink my eyes, I saw a Technicolor infinity symbol spinning. So, and I went Jordan, on, Jordan's face is priceless right now. Yeah. And I went on the trip of a lifetime of all I could do was talk about the laws of motion. And when I tell you all I could talk about was this, that it, it lasted somewhere between four and six weeks, right? I was tripping. And uh, and during that time, I rear-ended some lady, and it was this Asian lady. And I, I'm driving a big-ass Tundra, and she was in, like, a station wagon, and I knocked her bumper off. 
and I was tri- I was tripping so hard that I jumped out of the co- out of the truck and I went over to her and I explained to her how there's a transfer of potential energy into kinetic energy, which <laughs> which created downward directional force, which was met by the Earth's resistance. And I was so fucking googly eyed that she picked up her bumper and fucking put it in the back of her of her station wagon and split. She's like, okay, you have a good day. But uh, yeah, so. It's funny, you hit an Asian lady driving a Toyota Tundra. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> funny. <The> irony. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then a dog ate her. But, uh, and the, the crazy thing about that was that I was actually right about all this shit. And like, I, I, I can't, if I talk about this for more than 10 minutes, I'll talk about it for the next two days. And like, it, it, I really actually have to be careful about this. It's, it's Pandora's box for me that like, I can explain anything to you, any sport I can explain to you in terms of the laws of motion. But I was right about it. And I coached a triathlete that she went from 42nd place to winning the Philly half Ironman. And I coached a boat that went from fourth place to winning the national championship by open water. So it's, Meanwhile, we're all still sitting in the boat with sticks of dynamite. We haven't thrown the dynamite yet. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, so that might answer your your crazy question. Like I have the crazy in me, but uh, that reminds me of the time I did shrooms, (laughs) (laughs) and I just went on a Kanye West theory. (laughs) I have to listen to Jesus for five weeks. I'm never gonna look at you the same, Richie. Yeah, it's, it's, this is all so, too much, man. So that's why I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> we understand, man. Don't go back. Man. Yeah. We like you like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's like if, if I, I, that, that's kind. Of, that's kind of what keeps me uh, from from you know t- taking a, a toke off a of blunt when I'm on the road with Cat. That it's like, look, you don't know. Like, like, Kat, <laughs> like I will literally be playing with dynamite. He's like, take a hit of this. You're like, Cat. Let me tell you a story. Uh, well, the, the <laughs> best was that some is that girl. That ultra cryptic. When we were in Dallas, some girl took a blunt from him and started coughing her fucking lungs up. And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't really, I don't really smoke like that. And he grabs a blunt and goes, well, this ain't the place to start, baby. <laughs> <laughs> does he have a does, chron- he have, did, is, is there just groupies everywhere on this tour? I mean, are you single? Are you in a relationship? No, I got a girlfriend. Okay, okay. Is she, how is that affecting uh, things a little or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough being on the road so much, but like, you know, it's, it, it's more like yeah it's it's what everybody thinks tour is yeah like she's probably got this image of you know it's like this it's a snoop dog video uh we're out of the venue within 10 minutes usually so it's uh, not a snoop dog video no it's oh. not they're, they're keeping it pretty insulated um due to some some past incidents i'd say you missed the snoop dog video basically. yeah <laughs> but then again like there's no way i'd be on that tour two years ago if i was still not drinking yeah. i understand <laughs> and do you guys have anything uh anything coming up this summer jordan what do you got going on over the next couple months over the next couple months uh productively stone still every fourth saturday at karma lounge i'm starting a show in brooklyn soon uh Keep details on that under wrap, and uh, I'm probably going to start a once a month down in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, be able to bring you down and yes. be able to bring everybody around here down probably once a month uh, working on it. Don't want to give out the location. It's a nice location. It'll be very nice in Myrtle Beach. What kind of reception do you get when you go down there? I mean, do you, do you get good audiences? Are you building a, a name for yourself down there? Or? Um, If we get the paper, we can get a few people in there. And if I get my friends the in. Paper? Get on the radio, motherfucker. Oh, that's what I got to do, man. I got to do that. If the Gazette puts it out there, yeah, <laughs> step the, your shit up, dude. Yeah, they got. I got a little bit of a following. People care when I come down, but it's, yeah, it's picking up. Like, slowly but surely. What's uh, when's the cat uh, tour end? June, May twenty sixth. You know the uh, date. Yeah, it's gonna suck. Eleven thirty p.m. <laughs> Back to real life, motherfucker. <laughs> Not just real life, but summer real life. Summer in New yeah. York. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually gonna be a sick trip. That uh, Vegas is the last show, and my dad's going out there, and so is my best friend. We're gonna rent motorcycles, go out to the Grand Canyon. So wow. it's gonna be fucking dope. Um, no, mom. Mom stays home, right? Um, mom might actually be on the back of the bike with dad, but she's gonna come to the Vegas show. Oh, she's not gonna be at the show. Oh, okay, she's no, come. she'll be like playing penny slots will, or some shit. Will you relapse in Vegas? No, <laughs> I will not. <laughs> are you? Are, you're you're good. You know, I give a lot of credit um to to people who um you know are, are alcoholics who are able to talk about it with such lightheartedness. I mean, is was that a struggle for you? Um. That take a while for you to get used to that, or was it something that you were able to kind of find humor in 
after all this happened. Yeah, I, mean, I, I really didn't start talking about it until I was a few years in. Um, mostly because I didn't want to put pressure on myself. You know, like I know a dude that's a speaker that's like, oh, you got to talk to high school kids. Like, nah, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be a, a poster boy for it, but like, you know, I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Scott, do you want to take us out or anything else you want to add? No, I'm done. You've been quiet. I'm the shut last, off. You've been quiet I hate the last this topic. <laughs> I hate everything that you say. <laughs> uh, he always asks the wrong questions. He does. He always. He, we we offset each other a little bit. A little bit. Well, listen. Um, okay, that's it. Nothing else. We did. Are you shut down now? I'm not. I could talk to these guys forever. No, I'm done, man. We're we're at 66 we're minutes and 55 seconds. So. Well, listen. It was awesome having you guys here. Thank Jordan, you. Richie, you, you guys rock. Yeah. No pun intended. RichieReading.com. Uh, yeah, where can they find you? Uh, Jordan, where can they work Jordan Rock 843. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, ProductivelyStone.com. ProductivelyStone is a lot of fun. It's a guy I've been there. Where's it's down in Karma. South Carolina. That's, oh, that's the uh, area code. code. Yep. Should I know that? You nah, that? No, you don't have to know you that. You should have assumed, though. I should have assumed that yeah. it was South Carolina. But I guess not that there's 843 Jordan Somebody Rocks. already somebody stole Jordan Rock and it's like a it's like a bot, so I can't st- get it back. It's like it's just got like statistics. It's posted like two tweets ever. Oh man, that yeah, sucks. I just can't get That's it back. That's fucking bullshit. I'm not famous enough to steal it. So uh, well guys, thank <laughs> well, wait, you. Richie, where can they find you? Richie Redding.com. He said it already. At Richie Redding. At Richie Redding. Everything's Richie Redding. Facebook. Richie Redding. Just go to Google and type in Richie Redding. And it'll come up, I think. Right? right? Yeah. The yeah, worst is- thing about me is that when I when I Google my name, first of all, my first name is the letter E. Picture of Hitler comes up. No, my first name, thank you very much. My first name is the letter E. It doesn't stand for anything. It's E. Scott Lindner is my name. And you type it in. Really? The E's? Some, it doesn't stand for anything. It's just the letter E. Man, your dad wanted you to be an author. That's what's huh? up. Yeah. So like, the I might fucking, do that. <laughs> that's funny. Like, <laughs> well, I get that a lot because they F the Scott Fitzgerald. That's why. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard that. Or perhaps like, a gay really? theater person. A lot of people say that a lot. Um, but you Google my name, a fucking guy named E. Scott Lindner comes up, who is a professor of neuroscience Shut the hell at up. Penn State. Come on. And he's bald. <laughs> Stop. Uh. I swear to God. So like, it's like, oh, like the first two pages are this fucking famous guy writing about neuroscience. Do you ever get some fallout neuroscience pussy <laughs> off of that? No. no. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you remember so Never Basically play the Concords, E. Scott Sausage. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you so much for being here, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank uh, you, Scott. I am feeling confident about that podcast. Uh, Emilio, I hate you. <laughs> Hopefully okay, you'll die then. today. I might. In some horrible way. Oh, you know, I hope I do too then. I'm just joking. I love you, man. I love you too. I do. Uh, we are uh, Empire Tonight. This is Empire Tonight podcast. We are operating out of Studio Radio 45, and we will see you next week. Thank you very much.